You're listening to Henley Business Radio. Welcome to Henley Business Radio. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. And we have another very interesting conversation lined up here for you. Uh, Luis Obala. When you hear that name, Luis Obala, what do you think? Luisa, what do you think when you hear Luis Obala? What's, what's in your brand? Talk to us. You know what? I must tell you that uh, the first time I had a LinkedIn account, and you know, like you need to put a description just yes. right under your name yes. of what it is that you do. And I thought, um, am I going to put, you know, what am I going to put? Because obviously it's been what, like 37 or, or maybe at the time 35 years of mm. having done a lot of things. Mm. And so then I ended up just writing everything music. Maybe that's just what it is, you know. Everything music. Everything I like it. music, it's, it's, yeah. It's, even, it's got a nice little ring to it as exactly. well. Exactly. I, I just thought an everything music, <laughs> P2I. I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Okay, so everything music. Where did everything music then start for you? I believe that, you know, music has led me to where I am right now. It's the driver and it inspires me to do, uh, to do what I do, mm. whether in music or outside of music. So I was born into a musical family. Not even just just from my my mom and dad, but with generation of uh, of musicians mm. uh, in my in my family. My grandfather used to be used to be a composer. His many of his songs are still sung throughout you know throughout the Eastern Cape since they are in our language, which is the Sikosa. Mm. My great grandmother used to be like the the resident opera singer in our community. Oh wow! Okay, and lovely. and and from my dad's side as well. You know, my mom and dad met in a choir. It all sort of started there for me. By the age of three, I was already performing. Okay. I don't know what I used to sound like, but I was performing. But you were performing. Uh, and I remember I used to get paid because as I sang at church, oh, wow. people used to throw, throw like these two cent coins and these five cent coins because I, I think two rands at the time were like notes. Mm. I'm giving away my age mm. now. <laughs> yeah, no, the, and those old blue ones. Huh? Those old blue ones, yeah. yeah. With Jan van Rivie. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, okay. and, you know, um, so, so it's always been, you know, it, it's the one thing that really that became a tool for driving me out of uh, of a really, I mean, like my background wasn't rosy at mm, all. Mm. And it's because of music that I ended up um, being able to go to great schools. And it's because of music that I find myself in, in Johannesburg and uh, being so prominent in the in the industry as a whole. And you certainly are. Let's just pull back to mm-hmm. those early feelings around music. At any point, especially because you were so young, did you feel like you were being forced into it? Is it something you wanted to do? Or did you wake up in the morning and your mom was there with a, a cup of coffee saying, get out of bed, you've you got, got to work, so to speak, inverted commas, as a Sunday morning. Did you ever resent that? You know, for us, music and talking were kind of like one thing. Okay. You know, so maybe if that was the case... Then music, you know, like then singing was like, uh, and singing in front of an audience was like giving a speech. Mm. I was actually quite surprised when I got to St. Stidian's College here in Johannesburg after having been to all these music schools and coming from a musical family. Mm. And mind you, my whole community used to sing. That's what we used to do. Okay, so it's very natural. Yeah, because you know what? I mean, as much as maybe there were some soccer players and so on and so forth, anything else which became an extramural activity, it needed like football would need a would need a soccer ball mm. or like you know if you wanted to play cricket you'll need cricket bats and those sure. things were unaffordable to us okay. so music was sort of like one instrument that mm. didn't have to pay for and mm. so people used that pretty well mm. and surprisingly when i go to st Stidians and uh, we're having something called house music you know you know did you know these private schools are like they divided into houses yeah and i was getting frustrated w- with my house because the guys were just not singing the right thing okay. the headmaster pulled me aside and he said listen Lois, you need to understand that most people can't sing. And I was surprised. I was absolutely surprised. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, I think while I was also at the school, 
this lady asked if I could sing at her son's, uh, who's an old boy, at her son's wedding. Oh, wow. After, okay. after I sang, she came to give me an envelope, and I just thought, what is this? Um, what's in here? Only mm. time I ever get an envelope is from the headmaster's office. And so when I opened it and sort of looked at it, I was surprised. I was like, I think there was like, what, like 150 rands in there? Oh, and wow. I was like, what is this for, you know? Mm. Because for me, it never occurred at that age that you actually can get paid for singing. Mm. Um, so to answer your question, it's not something that I was forced into. It's not something that I chose. It's something that I, I just thought that everyone does. And that like it's yeah. just part of life. And that later on, I'd have to choose something that I'd have to go into. But that, um, yeah, I'll be probably singing through it all. Okay, so let's go there then. Let's go exactly to that. You you get to a point in your life where suddenly you're feeling this independence. Yeah. You, there's perhaps some money coming in from music that uh, you're involved in, but then you begin to question. You begin to ask yourself, should I, shouldn't I? Maybe there's another way. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's another path. Mm -hmm. Talk us through just a little bit of that. What a lot of people don't know is that when someone is in music, they don't necessarily have to sing or play an instrument. Mm. The music environment, because when you say music industry, you're talking about the recording industry. Sure. But the music environment has so many different components that one can go into. Like, for mm. instance, you can be a teacher, you can be a performer, you can go into, into theater, sure. you can go into classical, you can go into jazz. Uh, or you go into a studio environment where you're producing music for films, for TV, all Absolutely. sorts of different Absolutely, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's all, Suddenly it's it, all it sort of culture, up. you yeah. know? And I got wind of that when I was in high school. So I remember the one time, right, I was like, you know what I want to do? Because I really love my piano teacher at that time, which is like... People who play piano, they'd all be like, what, you like your piano teacher? That's like liking your accountant teacher at school. <laughs> sure, it's like, it's sure. a no-no, you know? A foreign That's thing. the person that you just don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, man, yeah, so I want to just be like her, maybe, you know, play the piano and stuff like that. But somehow, when I looked at, at the lifestyle of the hardships that teachers have to go through, I mean, yo, and, and, and I know it sounds like I'm cheapening the whole thing, mm -hmm. but like I looked at like just what a struggle she used to have with, with the academic department and mm -hmm. how like they were always sidelined. And I just thought there's no ways that, that all this that I've done and all this that has, that has been invested in me is going to lead, is going to, lead to this moment. Yeah, so, this really what was a suppression of sorts, right? Yeah, suppression of sorts. I thought, no, I mean, there's no freedom in this part yeah. of, the, you know, like of the music environment. Mm -hmm. So my brother at the time, he was, um, he was part of a huge, well, popular group called TKZ. Mm. And I used to look at them and I used to think, I don't know if, even if I want to go in this direction. So the best thing I'm going to do is that I'm going to take myself to varsity and I'm going to do my Bachelor of Music and kind of see what that leads to. Maybe okay. I'll be a lecturer in university, but at least I'm sure it's better than being a teacher here. Sure. And during that time, because I used to write a lot of songs, and the songs that I used to write, mind you, were for me. It, mm. it was my own reflection pieces. It was my own diary. So my brother said, listen, I've heard one of your songs. Why don't you just come and sing one of these songs as part of our CD, mm. which we're going to call TKZ Family. Okay. It's going to be TKZ nice. and just a few other, other members. And when we performed with TKZ as TKZ Family, I remember like, you know, singing the first part of my song. I was so scared because these were like hip hop artists. And here I was just like the singer, mm. you know, and I thought this 55,000 strong crowd is going to boom me off and maybe throw bottles at me. Sure. And uh, that'll be the yeah, end. No more coins or yeah, two no random notes. <laughs> bottles. You know, beer bottles. And remember yeah. back then you could actually take beer yeah, bottles into, into the, the stadium, yeah, you yeah. know. And funny enough, I remember singing right at the end of the song that I featured on called Fiasco. And I went stop and everyone 
sang the rest of my part. Oh, this was something that I wrote and something that I sang. And I think it was sort of right there and then that, that, that the bug really bit. Mm. And I just kind of never really looked back, you know. Mm. I think a year later I just found the schooling just a little bit boring. And I just thought, you know, I just taking up a lot of my time. I want to focus maybe on just building my career. So my first attempt to varsity, I... I was a dropout. <laughs> well, you, you, you and became successful. You yeah, know what I mean. And there, it's surprising how many people do drop out, are still successful, and then go back. And we're gonna we're gonna and visit we're gonna, that a little bit. And, and, and that's what I want people to focus on: the fact that I dropped out of my of what I thought was my was my was my calling. Because mm. people would think that, like, I mean, because obviously, right now, and we're gonna get into this, you know, being at Henley Business School sure. and and doing my MBA yeah. and having just finished another another program. Of the fact that why is it that I am succeeding in this, yeah. but I didn't succeed in my in music, which is my core. Is your core, uh, you know? and and this is a little bit. It almost seems foreign because it's a, a step away. That's so so a, true. But funny enough, I can't understand this more than. You know, yeah, <laughs> more than what you know, like more than what they were trying to teach me. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, in absolutely. Music. Well, yeah. look, I, I think what's so important is that we must always remember that that education must contextualize your experience. Absolutely, it, it mustn't. Uh, it must frame something that you're experiencing. It mustn't dictate it. And often, what we do is, and this is what perhaps you experienced when you were in varsity, is that you were almost being dictated to about something that that you that truly, so truly love. And so when someone's telling you how to think about music and in your heart you're feeling the music, Absolutely. You, you, there's a disconnect there. Or Absolutely. there can be a disconnect. And I think whereas like, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing this, uh, this program right now mm. based on my experiences. That's why I find it so exciting exactly. because it speaks to you, not only just my professional life, um, but it also speaks to, uh, to just my personal life. I mean, like this now is personal development. Yes, exactly. Through, you know, like through this, uh, through this program. And I suppose that that's what a lot of people feel like an undergraduate degree is for, or should be for a 19, 20, 21-year-old, wherever they step in. But it really isn't often. And that was your experience. How many people were, were at school with us, were in high school with us, who we thought, you know, these guys are absolutely going to flourish once mm. they go to varsity and they get there. And guys, it's just like, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. And parents are usually distraught because it's like, son, I've paid for three years. Exactly. And right at the end, you just want to quit. Mm. And, 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 and the guy says, no, daddy, but I told you, I didn't want to do this course. I wanted to do this. And then someone will be like, yeah, but how you've done at school has set you up to do well in this. And, 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 and then you're like, no, but that's not what, that's not what I want to do. Mm. My whole life was based on the fact that music is what I'm going to do afterwards. And yes, and that's what I did for mm. a good 20 years. But it's not necessarily what I was supposed to study at Varsity. I'm very comfortable personally, and I think you seem to be very comfortable with this evolution that, that happens in all of our lives and careers. Mm. And uh, it seems like you are preparing yourself for this now evolution that is going to be happening in your career, whether you see it now or not. As soon as we pull mm -hmm. more information in, that evolution begins to happen. Uh, just... By yeah. force of exposure, really. Let's go back very quickly. Okay. So some people would say you, you got lucky or it was because of a family connection. Yeah. What do you say to those individuals who haven't seen the 3am wake up? Because you, you must have had mm. a number of those kinds of days in your life. 3am, go to bed at 11 o'clock, start that whole process mm -hmm. again. That's happened for you? There's a study that came that came out, and I can't, you know, I won't be able to reference it properly because I know that at Henry they say you must always reference. Yeah, sure. But this is just <laughs> an interview, okay? 
<laughs> yeah. so, so it says that, you know, like it speaks about, I think, the hundred, um, is it the 10,000 hours? 10,000 You know what hours, I mean? So yes. the fact that I think for you to be in the top 1% in, in what you do, you need to put in 10,000 hours. Mm. I did my 10,000 hours at school. So uh, from the time that I was 10 years old, you know, like I practiced piano about two hours, two hours a day. That mm. was 10 years old. I'm 30, I'm 37 going, you know, like going on 38. Yeah. Uh, sounds like that Coolio song. I'm 37. Never will I live to see. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 37. You know, going on uh, on on 38, and from that time up until up until I was, I was 20 years old to when I started in the industry, there were tens of thousands of hours mm. that I put. You know, like towards what it is that I do. Mm. So it was Malcolm Gladwell, I think, in his book. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That yes. where he references yes, or speaks yes. about the ten thousand hour rule, and then he also he speaks about a Bill Gates, for example, who maybe his path was very similar to yours. So he mm-hmm. was at he was at school, but every other moment where he wasn't academically involved, he was sitting programming somewhere, and that's where he gained his ten thousand hours. Yeah, like during my during my science classes, I was writing songs. I, I, hey, I, but I, I passed, and yeah. I got a good mark. Well, well, very, very. That's very <laughs> impressive. It's probably why you're doing so well here. Then. <laughs> what a lot of people don't understand about 10,000 hours is that you, if you do two hours a day, it's going to take you 10 years to get 10,000 hours. And so you've put in 10,000 hours and more. That's yeah. A- well, I mean, also remember that there were still extra music lessons in that. Yeah. There were still performances. Yeah. Um, I think we used to do about 120 performances a year. Wow. This is like whilst, while, whilst I was still at school. Mm. So that really, I mean, like that really sort of, Set sort you of apart. Shaped, yeah, I mean, like that really sort of shaped. And, and this is something that I didn't even think that it was worth anything. Mm. But somehow, like practicing that muscle and so on and so forth, mm. it's been good state for what it is, um, for what it is that I do now. So I come into the industry. There's some articles that say, oh, you know, the younger brother of our famous Zwaipal is now mm. joined the industry. Mm. And then I start hearing talks. There was a specific journalist as well who said, yeah, but you are where you are right now because of your brother. I mm. said, true. Yeah, He was definitely a door to where I am right now But just give me five years Do you know what I mean? If I'm still around in five years time Then truly this hasn't been a fluke mm. you know? mm. So I believe that for me to have been in the industry For as long uh, as I have now If we speak of, you, you know, Yes it has been some luck But in my sense you know, like it's been the grace of God on my life mm. you know, At the same time it's because I've gained the experience that, that by the time that door opened I was already ready to go into that uh, just another point i also wanted to make mm. within the in the music industry i have been involved in different genres and for every single genre if i may say i've received an award for it here's the reason very why. nice when i decided okay i'm going to do i'm going to do r&b that, that was like back in early 2000s instead of just going straight into a genre because i liked it because some people like want to go into music because they like singing okay. and someone told them that they're talented mm. for me it didn't stop there when I was, I only did my first album at 20 years old. I was signed to BMG, Sony BMG, when I was 16 years old. Okay. So for 16 years, I went through a rigorous uh, process of development. I then traveled after my TKZ, you know, the TKZ album where I just did one or two songs. Mm. I took all my royalties. I went to the uh, to the UK at the time and I studied under um, Craig David's producers. Okay. Just to make sure that by the time I start doing this thing, that I'm going to do it successfully. Yeah. To date, I've received, I mean, like I've received about five South African Music Awards mm. for that specific genre. When we did Ballad Brothers, which was classical, before we did the album, we actually had, because, because it was classical music, right? So we actually had a teacher come 
I think the guy was from Italy. Okay. And he brought our skills back up again. And for mm. two months, literally every single day, we had lessons with him. And it was brought down by a company called Pop Africa because they were helping out, you know, musicians who wanted to get to a certain level. Mm. But this is after all, you know, like all the schooling that I'd had at school. But sure. it had been like a few years before I'd done that. It was years back since, uh, you know, since I'd done classical. So mm. we felt that it's needed that we do what we do. For, for uh, what do they call it? Sharpening the sword. You have to sharpen, you know, like mm. you have to sharpen the sword. You, um, just because you won the Olympics last year and then it was out of season. When you, when you get back on it again, you need to practice like, it's your, you know, it's going to be your first, yeah, your time first year. Oh, oh, yeah, exactly. Every single time because you're only as good as your last performance. performance exactly. Um, and, you know, like, and through Bala Brothers, um, we were actually were signed, um, where she got signed to, uh, to Warner Brothers in New York. Mm. And for a good part of last year, we were traveling at that side. We did a, we did a PBS special. Okay, and lovely. I believe that that stuff doesn't happen by luck. It's because, it's because of the preparation time that we took. Gary Player, he says, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, yeah I've heard that. Yeah, I, I think that's what you're describing mm-hmm. here as well. Which is what it is, you know. And then before I did gospel, which I did five years ago, I didn't just go, oh, I've had a change and, you know, like a change in heart. And I just want to, like, do good, you know, and mm. focus it towards a certain place. But what I did, I stopped. I mean, like, 2010, literally I had five songs on, on the top 100 songs in the country. Mm. One of my songs was actually the most played song in South Africa at the time. Mm. And I left everything and I went and I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, which is gospel music, I need to learn the content. Like I need to get content and I need to get tools yeah. so I can be able to do it. And so I took myself to Bible school for a whole year, sitting there with 18-year-olds. And here I am, just like 31, 32-year-old, mm. 32-year-old man, because I truly believe, I truly believe in, in, in preparation, which well, is the uh, reason why... I'm here now mm. at the Henley Business School. I'm training myself for something that I'm foreseeing happening later on in my life, which is not that far away, which is like two to three years. Well, I'm interested in that because th- that makes my ears tingle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I do want to just quickly ask before we go there is, is why did you do these things? So you, you described a journey where there are awards, where there are top top songs on top charts, mm-hmm. but then you consciously make a decision to leave it Instead of riding that wave, you leave it. You, you jump onto another wave. Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? You know, some of the times you need to just let the wave go. As soon as that one is moving, you start something else. Just mm. so that like, when that one starts to, starts to drop, at least something else is always on the rise. Because for every single thing that I've done, I could just chill for two to three years. Yeah. And, and that wave is not going to stop when I start chilling. Because you started something, you know, mm. like you've kind of started something up already. Mm. So I believe that, like you know, one needs to start preparing when things are going well. Mm, I like that this idea you know? of, of cyclical success, but always preparing for. You for, always, you've always got to prepare, and mm. yes, sometimes, and also while you're preparing, there's um, there times when you make mistakes, when you learn from mm. those, when you move on. Because I'm telling you right now, when there's nothing happening in your, when the, when finally nothing is happening in your life. And now you start to do something, your motives are going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like going shopping when you're hungry already. You're going to buy rubbish. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because <laughs> you're not thinking, you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. So, and I guess everything comes down to one thing. The reason why I do this, if I can just quickly tell a story. I remember being Please. in school at the Drakensberg and I was struggling and I was, I, I was mad with everyone. You know mm. what I mean? I felt like I've been so unfairly treated. And then the, the hostel master called me and he said, Listen, you've got a choice. And we're fine either way because obviously there's somebody else paying for your school fees. Mm. You can either just go through it or we can just stop right now and then you can just go back home. Mm. And when I thought of home, which is Utenake, 
And I just remembered my cousins, people that I, that I grown up with. Some of them are even more talented than I am. And I thought of the life that they lived back then. I was like, I'm not going back. Mm. So I think the whole point of me being on this wave, and, and, and you mentioned the word reciprocal, is because... I don't want to go back to the stage that I was at. I don't want to go back a year. Mm. I don't want to relive 2012 again. And it may seem like I'm running away from something. Yes, I'm, <laughs> what I'm probably running away from is going back to where I was because mm. I, don't want, I don't ever want to go back there again. I think all of us, we run away from things, but we also run towards things. Yeah. So let's talk about what you're running towards. So you're, yes. doing, you're doing an MBA here. I'm doing an MBA here. So, and that's no small thing. An MBA is not an easy degree to be able to do. Tell us, what are you foreseeing in the future? And you, you, you said three years. What are you seeing three, three years. years from here? You know? So in the past, you know, like in the past two years, I was just busy reflecting and just thinking, Ish, where am I right now and where is it that I want to go? Mm. I've just come to realize that my success, that the music industry, it's, uh, you know, there's the 80-20 mm. rule and, mm. and, and we use that in different, in different ways, right? Sure. The music business, right, is 20% music and it's 80% business. business yeah. It's quite a sure. well-known thing. And I've noticed that like, I'm starting to get more and more involved in the business aspects of the music. For the past 15 years, I've been kind of bundu bashing my way through mm. and uh, you know, like through some luck, I've been able to be where I am right now, where like, you know, I'm at a sustainable, a sustainable place. Mm. People are also try to, starting to trust me with huge responsibilities, like mm. SAMRO, which is the South Africa, Southern African Music Rights Organization that looks after all the music okay. in, uh, in, in South Africa in terms of composers and publishers. They put me on their board. Mm. Also, the certain ideas that I had within the music in order to sustain my career and then to also sustain other musicians' careers, mm. you know, and anybody mm. who's dependent on this, uh, on this industry. And so I thought, you know what, I can't, I need proper tools mm. in order to advance, to advance better in this. And so I thought, okay, what do I need? Do I, do, do, do I need more music studies? No, I don't. I remember how that went the last time, you sure. know, but what I need is you know, like some business acumen. And so scared and frightened, I thought, okay, I'm going to apply for the PGDIP, which is the postgraduate in management practice. Mm. And I spoke to a lot of people. They said, no, you should do this one. And so I did that. During that time, obviously, I'm coming to a class. I'm like, I don't come from like a formalized company structure, you know, I'm more of an entrepreneur. Sure, yes, sure. I've got access to several companies, record companies and so on and so forth. How am I going to do in this? I did that and I noticed that I was actually doing pretty well and mm. sometimes even better than some of the, you know, than some of the guys who were working in, in, in awesome companies. And so I thought, okay, cool. What is it that I have that they don't have apart from just the music? You know what I mean? What is that one thing? And I actually noticed that actually, you know what, my strength in any space within business is creativity. Mm. The reason that I've been able to be so successful as I am right now in my industry is not because I'm a great singer, not because I'm a great songwriter, not because I'm a nice person, it's because I've been able to be creative with what had been given to me. Like for instance, um, we've been able to get revenue in areas where nobody's actually seen possible with, sure. you know, like within the industry. Mm. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I should really just hone the skill. Mm. And what's the best way to do that? after this is to probably just go straight into the MBA. Yeah. I qualify for it already. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> so I may as well just, just do it. Know, like just give it, um, stay, on, and, stay on the train and keep on going. Yeah. I may as well just give it a go. And so speaking of the next three years, I believe that I'm going to add value 
not only to the you know like to the music industry as a whole with what I'm going to be learning from this, but actually probably to just business as a whole. There are a lot of social projects that you know like that I'm involved in, and I really truly believe that if everybody kind of knew what to do, they would actually pro- probably save themselves ten years of experience. Absolutely, you know. I truly believe that what I'm doing right now is not only going to just serve the music industry, but that it's going to serve South Africa and and Africa and who knows and like even maybe the world as a whole. Mm. You know, I'm going to paraphrase you by okay. saying, am, "Am I sitting across from a Kanye West type?" Because <laughs> that's where that these guys have differentiated themselves from just the average artist, isn't it? They've moved into a business environment mm-hmm. and they really have taken hold of it. Think, think more Jay Z. Jay-Z. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, you know? Jay-Z, fine. So Jay-Z and really just what he has done with companies like Tidal, which which looks at bring sustainability to, uh, to performers and doing something that the streaming era and, you know, and the download era, you know, the mm. digital era is, is servicing the owners of those platforms mm. more than it is the actual artists. That's what I really want to change. I want to make sure that, that I create a sustainable business for musicians over Africa and, and all over the world will probably come onto this. Are you saying that you did, you took a step back and you said, who could I be like? And you did say Jay-Z. Well, and, that, and that's I part see, of the motivation said, for is, NBA? What I said was, this is what I want to do. Are there any prototypes yeah, out there or someone, people that I can sort of you look, model on, you know, yeah. model on? And that's what I, you know, like that's the person that I came Perfect. across. Now this is, you know, I'm a gospel singer. He's a hip-hop artist. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. So, so it just goes to show that like it's not even about the style of music, but it's about the impact that you all want to make. Mm. And uh, I'm very passionate about Africa and in creating entrepreneurs out of creatives. You know, so it's um, Puleng who heads up, you know, heads up the the creative department yep. here at Henley, you know. She came across a study that said that by 2020, creatives are probably going to be the top three demanded demanded skill sets. Uh, you know skill sets mm. in uh, in in business Very so interesting. when we can service our industry and we can service other industries we all good, man. I think I've done my bit. So. <laughs> you're looking very satisfied with your, your yourself <laughs> across the table. Yeah, you, but you're so right. Yeah. yeah, the the world is moving in such an interesting way that we can't predict what's going to happen in three years. No, but if we can set ourselves up for three Absolutely. years' time, then we're in a real good place. But you know what I've, I've noticed, right? It's the fact that people know a lot mm. these days. Arguments last a shorter time. Because like, oh, really? Let me Google that. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. So in terms of research, you're going to find that like many companies in the future are going to kind of know the same thing. Yeah. So, so what you know is not going to necessarily, you know, make you more successful. Yeah, it's not going to set you apart anymore. It's not set you apart anymore uh, because we're all going to know the same things because information is so easily accessible, mm-hmm. right? Now, here's the thing. If what you know and what I know is the same, mm-hmm. what's going to set me apart from you, or what's going to set you apart from me? That is it's going to be how you arrange what you know, and that's going to need creativity. So, literally, creators are going to walk in and say, "Okay, cool. Listen, this is what you have. Now you need to arrange it like this, in order to be a step above the rest." Mm. It's, it's that contextualization of, that experience, contextualization, of, of yeah. experience again. It's, it's yeah. the real purpose of education. Because all of us have the same colors, but how someone else arranges them, it makes it more beautiful than somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There definitely are people that draw better than, than I do. And yet we have the same material to work with. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
I think that's a, a fantastic point at which we can end this conversation. Luisa Bala, thank you for sharing with us. Good luck with your MBA. We look forward to having more of these conversations in future and certainly catching up with you and seeing how the MBA is going. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. And if you want to help me through this journey, please get in touch. Uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Luisa Bala, Excellent. or just Luisa. I'm also on on Twitter as well, Loiso Music, and on Instagram, Loiso Bala. So if you want to get hold of me in any way, I can take any help right now or, or discuss anything that you want to discuss. So thank you so much. Fantastic, Loiso. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Follow, comment, and message Henley Business School and Henley Business Radio on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn.